Yeah, so I want to I want to break down this tweet and and get some opinions on this. That's that's primarily what we do here, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure if we've ever actually broken it down, but I'm somebody who's been very um uh, concerned with uh exclamation inflation in uh email. Are you aware of this phenomenon? Is that like a Paul Krugman term or what are you talking about? Isn't he canceled? Or is, doesn't doesn't everybody hate him now? I feel like he's always been somewhat of a polarizing figure. Yeah, yeah. The whole every, basically everybody who's attributed to the uh, opinion section of the New York Times is kind of feels like it's kind of that way. There was a week and a half ago, kind of this brief like five day window where you know when you go to the the Times's homepage and like the right third of the screen is taken up by the opinion section. Mm-hmm. There's this very brief time where it wasn't there, and I was like, oh, they came to their senses, but no. I think it was like a result of after they ran that one op-ed from that, um, uh, like the stunt that that uh, Republican representative did about sending the military. I think that got them to demote the opinion section for like a week and then now they're back at it. So, mm. but yeah, um, how do we get on the times? Oh, Paul, Paul Krugman. Yeah. So no, but exclamation inflation where, it kind of feels like in if you it, and this also goes for text messaging where if you're not including superfluous exclamation marks or exclamation points like it makes you sound angry <laughs> uh-huh do you not buy into this does do you, or do you not experience this where people will just say thanks kind of like as as though they're in like um auditioning to be a spokesperson for Walgreens nice mm. like i i it feels like there's always unnecessary exclamation marks or you'll get kind of a like an offhanded comment of saying are you mad at me because you didn't put enough exclamation marks in an email so i guess i would say that i am less of an exclamation guy and more of an emoji guy yeah no well okay so so interesting and valid I i would just say that's that's nixed for me because a lot of my work stuff happens on windows where emoji is not a thing on Windows at all. <laughs> Have they not they not brought emoji support over to Windows yet? Honestly, I, it's not even a joke. <laughs> I don't think they have. Like, I think it just I think it renders like on a web page, but I don't think there's like a like um like a system wide emoji thing like like there command is in... control space where you get that little emoji search thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So actually, honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I I lean pretty hard on the emojis, but um yeah, I'm somebody who who tends to come off very stern in written communication, I guess, because I I write like a normal person and, and I and, properly punctuate stuff and in vocal communication. Ouch. <laughs> you come on, you you put that one out there. You know, what? it's it's fine. One of us <laughs> has to be a professional here, and it's okay. <clears throat> Um, it's okay. I, 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 I did, um, make some adjustments to my, uh, to my webcam setup in result to the, the dragging that I got last <laughs> week. So we'll, you know what you, I, it, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so again, and again, it's an economy of language. It's not, it's not sternness. It's conciseness. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're going back to this tweet from pj vote who is one of the hosts of gimlet's reply all podcast which is a, a previous chef special and is a fantastic listen this is something that i run into 
and I don't know, I want to know what if you agree with this breakdown of just the term for like confirming that you got something, which people generally will apply as okay. There's a few different ways to express that. There's okay, period, lowercase okay, lowercase k, kk, and okay, with, with again, with an unnecessary exclamation mark or point. Again, I never remember which one it is. So in terms of friendliness and, and angriness slash passive aggressiveness, what's, what's the hierarchy? So I, th- I like this list. Upon first glance, I thought maybe KK and OK with an exclamation mark should maybe be swapped. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I, I actually do think OK with the exclamation mark slash point. Um, is the friendliest. So I, I would, I think I would agree with this list. I, I kind of agree. So again, so okay, I've never actually encountered somebody who just types O, both the O and the K in like both capitalized. Like I've had, because this also doesn't take into account, well, one, the way that I normally do it when I'm not trying to be mad or passive aggressive to somebody is I will do uppercase K, period. Where does that rank? Yeah, that is missing from the list, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that would be probably second angriest, right? So you'd really? still have. I, I, f- I find so. K to be like, yeah, cool. Like, just it's not again because we're not all excited all the time. Well, you are unique in that <laughs> you uh, no abort, and <laughs> that you do put proper. Uh, periods at the end of of everything that you type. I, you, might, I put, you might be the only person I know who does that. I put periods after emoji. I, I know you do. I literally, if if I if I send somebody an emoji and it didn't have a period after it, I will send a correction, <laughs> even if it's not Slack where you can edit it, because I I because emojis are complete thoughts and you can't just leave. And also, if you put the period after an emoji. Slack and iMessage don't do that dumb thing where they make it four times as big. So that's a very deliberate choice. People who read our show notes would have already known that they do. Periods go after the emoji again because they're complete thoughts. I, I appreciate that you highlight that and that that is that is a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And it's the only right decision. Um, but yeah, so I think K period is is like it's you know you uh, you know those charts where people will do like lawful, neutral, chaotic, good like that thing. Mm-hmm. I never really understand how those how those work, but I feel like is that like the K, prisoner's dilemma? No, you're thinking of <laughs> what's the other one? Um, it's prisoner's dilemma and the, and the other thing, game theory. Well, no, yeah. is that the same thing or are they different things? It, I, that was never clear to me. <laughs> The narcissism of minor differences, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I always find K, uh, uppercase K period to be um, like neutral, neutral, or whatever whatever those charts are. Anyway, so but yeah, I, I don't, so I've never had somebody ever say just okay, all caps to me, period. Um, I'm more of somebody in rank communication that gets anxious whenever somebody starts typing something in iMessage and you see the little, their typing dots, and then it goes away for a while. Never like that. <laughs> I really wish there was because you, you can disable you can disable read receipts on iMessage, but you can't disable the typing indicator, and that still makes me upset. I don't know how reliable that typing indicator is, though. It makes it even worse. I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. 
Because the problem is you can, because I think, I forget if it's on iOS or on the Mac, where if you're in the main message view, you like in the list view of your conversations, you actually see the typing indicator, even if you're not actually in the text message. And that's even worse. Yeah, that in, in Mac OS. Well, I think actually it works that way, both in Mac OS and iOS. Yeah, not a fan. But yeah, so it, so it, the, the, I think the one right answer is K, period. Um, yeah, this, the, the inflation with exclamation points needs to go away. So what's, what's your, cause I think you're one of the people who will type O-K-I-E. Oh, no, no, don't, how dare you? <laughs> you do something like that. How dare you? Again, all, all of our conversation has moved off of, I, like, I think I, the last time I sent you an iMessage was like 2014. Um, so I, I think that, that the fact that all of our, our conversing happens in Slack changes the tone of that, but then no. So what, what is your, for the, for the, for the record, I, I just, we have to be clear about this. I, I have searched our Slack for the word OKIE and there were no results found. Well, that's because I'm too cheap to pay for Slack. So this only shows the most recent 10,000 messages. (laughs) I accept your apology. (laughs) So wait, so so in normal conversation, what's your text response for like all good? Um You're thinking too much, so now I know it's gonna be a lie. I think no, I think um if my my sort of neutral response would just be K, and because by default iOS capitalizes the first letter of every message that you send, I I guess I probably most often just send capital letter K. You know, but no. you're not doing you're not doing K space space for a period. No. Hmm. Um and then and then I, I will if I'm trying to be friendly, I guess, I, I will put the exclamation mark. But that'll typically be just K with an exclamation mark. I don't usually say okay. Yeah. And KK yeah. sounds like something I probably would have said like in high school, but not anymore. In in your AOL instant messenger away message? In my T nine days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing to round this out, what, what are your thoughts on a thumbs up period as confirmation where there's not really anything else that needs to be said, like as a placeholder for, okay, what's, what does a thumbs up mean? Is that, where does that fall? I mean, I think that's, that's, I mean, I hope that's friendly because I use that all the time, both in our Slack and in my work Slack. So, so I, I use that interchangeably with the K. So so you you would you would say that's friendlier. The thumbs up as compared to K, K uh, uppercase K period. I'd say the thumbs up is friendlier. I think emoji, generally speaking, are friendlier. Gotcha. Can I can I take this in a slightly different direction? Uh, it's your show. Uh huh. One issue that I have with Slack. Well, I mean, I have <laughs> I have I have many issues with Slack, but one of them at the top of my list is that. I do like the ability to add an emoji reaction to a message. But as far as I can tell, there's no way for that to become a notification in the same way that if you were to send a new message with simply an emoji, that would show up as like a new message notification. So it's it's tricky because if you want someone to know that you acknowledged their previous message you know the only way to really make sure that they're going to get a notification around that is if you send them you know a separate message which seems to kind of defeat the purpose of the emoji reaction function 
Yeah. So I, I mean, I've thought about that and that, that does make sense as a concern, I guess. I, I agree with the way that it's implemented in which that it does not send a notification just because if you're in a team with more than like five people, I assume if, if the uh, original sender just suddenly got like 48 messages about people on the team reacting to it, that would be super annoying. So, and and I, I think it's probably the right choice to not make that configurable, but I absolutely agree where if you're in a small group, it would be nice to maybe have the option to allow a notification of a of a Slack emoji reaction. Yeah. No, I, yeah, under the right context, I think it would be, it'd be nice. Yeah. Okay, well, actually, uppercase K, period. There we go. <laughs> um, so the next thing, so again, this, this is going to be a, a we're going we're gonna to keep this to like a tight hour because um, there's not a whole lot to talk about this week. Um, but I did want to discuss something that actually I'm going to promote it from the grab bag. I think this, this became, cause Twitter memes are very ephemeral or they, they, there's just like eight a day and they just, it just, the days blur together. Remember last week when there was the, somebody posted the thing of the 50 most rated and therefore probable most watched titles on IMDb. Do you remember this? I do. Okay. So you can dig up a link to it because I don't have it. It is but, in the notes. Oh, look at you. Mm-hmm. Very proactive. Yes. I'm going to give you uh, um, uh, a 1,000, our custom Slack emoji reaction. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I also did, again, uh, I pride myself on curating good custom emoji on our Slack. Uh, so there is now a zero emoji in there. Yeah, I still I still don't know how to how to do that. I have never been bothered to look up how to do it. You know. Um oh man, I forgot we had Tim uh Johnny Ive and and Drake slack emojis. Okay. <laughs> seems seems problematic. Uh yeah, so this this tweet, so these 50 movies um runs the gamut. I don't know. I would I would feel that there's not a whole like I would I would not say that this is a list of great movies. But these are probably movies that most people have heard of. So the whole meme was how many of these have people seen? Um, so I don't know how many you've seen. We'll go into how many I've seen and we'll see if there's any overlap or how that goes. So I have seen, let me look at my list here, 42 of the 50 movies on this list. I think your, I think your answer was six, right? I've seen seven, and two of those are halves, where I'm not counting having watched Star Wars Episode Four because I really checked out in the second half. Like, technically, I was in a room where a television <laughs> was showing me um, Hoth and Death, Death Stars. and um, Hoth is not in Episode Four, but... Okay. And, and pod racing, whatever the things also are that happen. Four, but okay. You know what? Whatever Anakin's doing, doesn't matter. Yeah, he well, he is he is in episode four, but only what, as was, Darth was, Vader. Was, did episode four have the Cantina? Oh, yes, it did. Oh, I was really hoping it didn't. <laughs> okay, that was the six out of eight things I know about Star Wars. So, so yes, yeah, so I, I would say I have seen seven of these. So I want to know which ones. Yeah, like I. I haven't seen most of these. Like, I know The Dark Knight is the one movie of all the new Batman 
Batman movies that you have suggested to watch. That's still at the top of my list, but I just ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so it's basically, yeah, seven. So what, what uh, just, I guess at that point, which, which, uh, which you said you watched 42. Yeah. Isn't that, that like, uh, doesn't that have, doesn't that have something to do with sci-fi? Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. It's the answer to everything. Haven't seen that either. So what, what are the eight movies you haven't seen? I guess that's easier. Okay. So I have not seen the movie seven and that's spelled S E number seven E N. Um, I have not seen the silence of the lambs. I have not seen American beauty. Hmm. American history X. Good. Leon, the professional. Uh, Goodfellas. I have not seen that. The usual suspects. And then there's a chance I've seen this movie, but I'm not positive that I have. So I, I didn't include it on my watch list. Uh, Braveheart. Yeah, that's what, like, I don't know that that's, that's pre racist Mel Gibson. I assume everybody's watched that on cable at some point in time. That's kind of, yeah, that that's sort of what I was thinking, but I, I wasn't really sure. So I didn't count it. Yeah. So I guess for me, I'll do the opposite because I've only seen seven of them. So I'll just name those. How, so well, like, can I, let me see how many I can guess. Sure. Go for it. I bet I can get pretty mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So you've seen The Lion King. Mm-hmm. You've Six seen... times in the theater when I was a kid. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Good for you. Uh, that was That was my favorite Disney movie growing up, too. Uh, Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. You have seen Wally. Hell yeah. And <laughs> scroll a bit, yeah. <laughs> you, huh? Okay, well, those are all the gimmies. <laughs> I'm so. How many have I gotten so far? I've gotten three. three so I'm halfway there. I'm gonna say maybe you've seen Titanic. Nope. Wow, okay. Because I already knew what happened. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> the boat loses the duel. <laughs> uh, there was a, yeah, there was that good meme going around for a while that's like, describe your favorite movie like in the most boring way possible oh, yeah. in one sentence. I, I, I liked that. Yeah. Um, Man, how is Apollo 13 not on this list? Yeah, there there are some upsetting omissions from this list um anyway okay have, okay so have you seen like maybe like the green mile no because again okay. both That's... that both that and the shawshank redemption those one and again not to be problematic those kind of blur together in my mind as being like 1990s prison movies that were always on like tbs on the weekends like, I don't know if very, in terms of... Very different movies, but okay. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is is in terms of subject matter, is one of them much more serious than the other? I, it's just hard to even compare the two. I don't know. Don't they... Wait, oh, then The Green Mile is not what I thought it was then. Sorry, just Googling it. That so the, is, the Green Mile is originally a book, which I've also read, and then wait, they adapted on. it into a Tom Hanks movie. 
Hold on. Nope. Okay. No, nope. Yeah. I don't know why I'm lumping. Then what movie is also like a, a mid nineties prison movie? I'm not, not even though I've seen 42 of these movies, Carlos, I'm not, I'm not some cinema expert. I, I can't tell you. Hmm. Okay. So I've, I've guessed three of the six and I'm, you know, I actually don't, you, you had to have seen Schindler's list, right? Not fully where I, mm. I, that wasn't even a half. Okay. Man, I don't, I don't know what your other three are. Would you say, did you say six or seven? Seven. Cause I'm counting two halves. Okay. Halves. Sorry. So what are they? So I have watched the Lion King, finding Nemo, Wally. I have watched American beauty. I half paid attention to star Wars episode four. I have seen the matrix in middle school as part of a film class. Mm. And uh, I have watched Pulp Fiction. Everything else I have not watched. You've seen Pulp Fiction? I have. Not a favorite. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Not, not up my alley at all. I think we've even said this on the show before. Tarantino, not not quite your uh, not quite your cup of tea. No, no. He, he, he's... he's uh, yeah, I, I don't like his um, whole um, gross attachment with hyperviolence. Yeah, oh, that's right. We, we talked about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I quite enjoyed, and the lady friend did quite not enjoy. <laughs> Good. So, so to run through this, so yeah, so The Dark Knight, it's on the list. So I've actually shared with you, I think, because uh, a couple of years ago, I solicited a list from friends of movies I should watch, and I think I now have a list of 450 movies I'm supposed to watch, and I have made zero progress on that. Uh, well, actually, you know, I, I think I've watched a couple but none of them are on this list yeah like so many of these movies aren't actually that good as far as i can tell so i've never seen forrest gump fight club i have no i feel like that movie has not that it's become problematic but i feel like it does not it is not aged well inception meaning to watch again dark knight you've already talked about that lord of the rings trilogy will never watch godfather seems like something i should dark knight rises that's again another generic superhero movie. So skip, Interstellar. I was confused that with that Gravity movie. I don't know. I don't ever remember which is the good one. Uh, I would I would say both are good. Although I think Interstellar is better. There's a lot of uh, Christopher Nolan representation on this list. Yeah, and also, and with this, this also this list is comprised of you have to think of what the context of the data source if we're going to get all 538 ish about it where the people who are rating stuff on imdb is a very specific type of person and that usually skews probably internet white dude yeah no it, it definitely it's christopher nolan and tarantino are a large percentage of this list yeah so that's where i'm going to give like i'm going to say give most of this a miss but yeah, Gladiator, never seen it. That seemed like, meh. Avenge, like, I, yeah, I just, I'm never going to watch a superhero movie. Um, the Departed, I feel like I might have watched that on cable once, but I don't know. Wolf of Wall Street seems gross. I'd I'd stand by my recommendation um, of The Dark Knight being at the top of your list. I'm also trying to convince the lady friend to watch that as well. Um, I would put The Departed at number two then the, the if i would say the dark knight and the departed are both in my top like seven or eight favorite movies of all time yeah but i don't i don't need leo doing a um a dan moran accent 
<laughs> the departed um green mile yeah we talked about that avatar is that, i always thought did uh, do people ironically like that movie i always thought that was a really i always thought like the critical consensus was that that was a terrible movie that yeah that that one's a it's a big question mark for me because that when that came out in 2009 the big thing there was the special effects and specifically the fact that it came out in 3d right when movie theaters were trying to make 3d a thing again and it was sort of the first movie that effectively i think did did the kind of new style of 3d where it was about not things popping out at you but rather creating depth in the screen and that was you know that was pretty well done um but in terms of how it became the top grossing movie for a period of time, um, it, it surpassed Titanic at the time, and it's it's since been surpassed by one of the Avenger movies. But um, yeah, I never really got it. And in fact, the lady friend and I, because she had never seen this one either, we watched it, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago or something. If we had waited, we could have just watched it on Disney Plus, but um, which is, by the way, still very strange to see Fox stuff on Disney Plus. But um, I would say it doesn't; it wasn't spectacular at the time, and I would say it, it hasn't held up super well. What is the two sentence premise? All I remember is blue people. So mankind goes to this planet called Pandora that has um <laughs> and it's all about it's a planet inhabited by musicologists or whatever <laughs> calls them. exactly um it's a planet that has a this rare resource that is literally called unobtainium i'm not making that up that's what it's called this sounds like a bad movie and the navi who are the blue aliens you're referring to are the native species of the planet and humanity has figured out a way to kind of like matrix style take over the brain of a basically a clone body of a navi so like they can basically inhabit the body of a navi but but basically through their mind um yeah that's the movie and they're making they're making three more of them Unobtainium. How did that get past? Unobtainium. Ugh. Well, Einsteinium is an element, so I guess whatever. And the the the, I, the 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 weird thing about that movie is it has things like the unobtainium thing, which is you know just kind of this self self referential dumb thing. But the movie otherwise takes itself like very very seriously. Like there's a lot of, there's just a lot of political and social messaging in the movie. And it's, it's meant to come across in this sort of much more serious way than it ever kind of earns. But then again, it also has like this thing called unobtainium in it. It's a, it's a strange movie. Yeah. People, people are really into James Cameron, who's the director and which who I'm like, eh, I, I, I don't know. Also a large percentage of this list. Yeah, made up of his movies. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather movies, never seen them. Feels like something I should eventually watch. At least those seem like 
purposeful violence sort of or at least there's enough of a story to make maybe that worthwhile i yeah I, I actually recently watched the first two i haven't watched the third one. First one i really enjoyed second one eh, it was okay yeah i've always, I've always heard that, like just conventional wisdom is that part three is just a objectively terrible movie mm. i think part part two is very beloved but i eh, i don't know i again i liked i liked part one part two i wasn't as into uh, and the rest of the superhero movies, do not watch American History X. That's another just hyper-violent yuck movie. Back to the Future is fun. I'd put that on your list. Yeah, yeah the rest of this, whatever. Like, I, I have a list, and one of these days, it's on Airtable. I'll share it with you, and maybe you can tell me which ones I should prioritize. The Dark Knight. Yeah, I don't care, though. Because I'm I'm the kind of sucker where I like... Like and we talked about this last week, where you brought—I forget in what context you brought up Apollo thirteen, but oh, the lady friend and I just just watched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but I forget how it came up on the show. But um, oh, because we were talking about four movies that look great in four K HDR. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's still on the list. But um, like I'm a big movie of like you know those like Oscar bait movies. Like you know, remember, did you watch The Post? Maybe came up like in, or did you watch Spotlight? Maybe. maybe probably <laughs> so i'm a i'm a fan of like of movies that are like kind of like that's the one where it's uh all the i think it's the boston globe where it's a bunch of a bunch of journalists who are uncovering the catholic sex abuse scandal i have not seen this no it's a very good movie i'm like i'm, I'm a big fan of those like oscar bait movies where it's basically just a bunch of like big name actors being all serious and, and just and just doing their thing for two hours like in the post is it's got uh, Tom Hanks as like a hard-nosed journalist uh, during oh, the Watergate I, scandal. and I've seen that. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's like not eh, amazing, but it's a good movie. Eh, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Wait, but which, which okay? <laughs> God, it's an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, too high, much too high. <laughs> Tough critic. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, that movie's a I don't know. that's a six and a half out of 10, maybe. Oh, so you wouldn't show that score on Peacock? <laughs> I would not, no. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a fan of those movies. Like, I don't know. I like. I don't like. There's a whole lot of movies that people like. Um, like the dumbest movie I enjoy is Anchorman. Yeah, that's a good one. So there's a lot of movies like um, like Wedding Crashers and Bridesmaid. Not not all related to that, but. There's all those movies that people tend to really, really like that I just hate or find that are just too stupid to watch. I'd put, um, if, if it's not already on your fancy Airtable list, I would put a dodgeball on there. No, I I really dislike Ben Stiller in mm. most movies. Like, oh, I, okay. I watched Meet the Parents, and the first, like, I, I, like and, I, and I probably watched it edited on cable or whatever, but I thought that one was fine. But yeah, like I, I, I think I watched half of the Zoolander movie, and it was it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like I, I just don't like. In the same way, I don't like Chris Pratt um, or Chris Evans, whichever who, whoever the Parks and Rec dude is. Like I, I just don't. I don't like that whole deal. Do you like Vince Vaughn? Again, I think I've watched part of Wedding Crashers, and I th- like I think he's fine, but I don't. I don't really care. Like he because he he does a type of movie that I don't really like. I'd put Swingers on your list. That's another really good one. Swingers? Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's 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 worth a watch. 
That's a short one, too. 1996? Yeah, it's an old one. Hmm. It's good. Hmm. Oh, I like Ron Livingston. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this, this list. Again, it gave us a reason to be distracted on Twitter for an hour or two. So I guess it was worth it? Question mark. How did you keep track of which ones you had seen? What do you mean? I used Excel. Oh, I just, I couldn't, because <laughs> that's actually an interesting question. Because that, that meme was shared in just like this low res, like just text image. Yep. I thought of like, how can I digitize this? And after 15 seconds of thinking, I'm like, just fuck it. Let me just type it out. So I, so I spent the 90 seconds just manually typing it. And the ones that I had seen, I just uh, indented. That's so funny. I just opened a blank Excel workbook and started at row one and put the number one for ones I've seen and the number zero for the ones I hadn't. <laughs> wow. That's, 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 that's a lot, as people would say. <laughs> well, it's a, lot, it's a lot easier than what you did. How? Mine required me. So no, for the movies I haven't seen. So I saved 42 keystrokes. Because all I had to do was indent on the ones that I did. But you had to type all of them out. Well, yeah. How do you do it? Did you OCR it? No, I I literally opened a blank Excel workbook next to this Oh, so you mean so you don't have the text names of the movies. You still have to look back at the image. I don't need to. I just look back at the image. Yeah. Yeah, that's no. That's that's no. <laughs> don't be don't be jealous. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So yeah, so that's it. Uh, one other thing, since we're just going to be in perpetual follow-up, I have another tweet. Um, uh, Room Raider found in an interview with uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin. She got a 10 out of 10. That is the room I strive to have. That's Yeah, this is, this is good. I like her lectern. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I've joined that religion. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, and then, oh, sorry, quick bit of uh, follow-up from last week. Yeah, um, I have moved the oven mitt uh, again because of the dragging that I received last week, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with it. But I, I didn't think there was there was an issue, but I did find some really nice um, kitchen hooks on Amazon that I that I do like, because I also had to find a way to, or a place um, to store the candle extinguisher that I have. <laughs> Because it's much safer than blowing out a candle. Again, that's that's how forest fires get started. Smokey taught me that. Wow, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there. But you said you wanted to keep it under an hour here, so. Well, we have nothing else to talk about because I don't care about sports. Well, so hold on. Uh, do you want? Okay, so I think we're going to talk about like three things this week. So we're going to talk about peacock, uh, sports in a pandemic, and maybe one other thing. What's a uh, dealer's choice? What do you want? I want to get to the sports stuff. Okay. So I get to go on mute for 20 minutes. All right. <laughs> so sport sporting leagues around the world have been kind of ramping up over the last couple of months. You know, you've become a big KBO fan. Um, many or maybe even most of the European soccer or f- football, as you would say, leagues have started playing again. Um, but in the U.S., we've basically been without sports nascar has been continuing um uh, women's soccer actually just picked up i think in the last week or two 
Um, but outside of that, the the four major sports have been been dormant since March. But now all are on a pretty concrete path towards returning, and they they've kind of all been going in very uh, different directions or following very different strategies, which I think is kind of the interesting thing to highlight here. So you've got, I would say, three different paths that the sports are going down. The four major sports in the U.S. are going down. I'd kind of put the NBA and the NHL together and then baseball into its own category and then the NFL, and you could even throw like college football into another category. So the the NBA and the NHL are are following this bubble model, or the the NBA prefers it to call it their campus. Um, and in the case of the NBA, this is at the Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando, Florida. And then the NHL is actually going to have two what they're calling hub cities, one in Edmonton and one in Vancouver. And, you know, these setups are kind of exactly what you'd expect them to be, where all of the teams are are coming in, you know, they're being tested daily. There are, you know, set locations that they're allowed to go. So, you know, their hotel room, practice facilities, et cetera. Um, and they kind of have to just stick within that bubble or hub or campus, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the NBA is a little bit further along. So they they have all 22 teams that are going to be starting the season back up in Orlando. They've been there for about a week or so. And so far, that seems to be going pretty well games are on track to return i think it's either july 30th or 31st and then the nhl they started their training camps where teams are still in their home cities but then we'll we'll be traveling to those two hub cities i think sometime next week or maybe early the following week with the goal of starting their season back up on um august 1st but both both leagues seem to have a solid, realistic plan in place. And they, they both also have kind of the same um, beneficial position in that they completed a large percentage of their regular season prior to the shutdown. So in the, with the NHL, they're actually just going straight to an expanded playoff format, and then the NBA... Um, is playing eight regular season games amongst all the teams that are coming back and then going into the playoffs. So yeah, overall, I think those are those are both pretty well thought out strategies. Do you have any questions or comments there? No, only concerns. <laughs> <laughs> no, so can you tell me, can you remind me about how much of the regular season had the NBA and the NHL respectively played? Um, just about the same because both leagues start around the same time. So teams had played somewhere in the neighborhood of like 62 to like 65 games out of, out of 82. Wait, do the NBA and the NHL have kind of the exact number of games? They do. Yeah. They both, both play 82 regular season games. Playoff format in both leagues is the same. They're, they're very, very similar. Interesting. Um, 
No, not really. Like, I, uh, like, I mean, <laughs> like that, that's informative. Like, I just wish there was more, I don't know. Like, I, I wish people were telling more of, of the story. And this goes to, back to that Jody tweet that, I mean, you can, you can find a link and put it in the show notes, but I just kind of wish somebody was breaking it down to explain what all this is. Cause to my knowledge, so, so they haven't like, they're just practicing right now and the games aren't actually going to start until late July. Right. Right. Yeah, so I, so I like want to see like I, like my from my vantage point as somebody who's not super plugged into either of those sports leagues, I kind of don't really know what's happening. All I ever see is sometimes it'll pop up on Twitter where that one that one guy posted about his unsatisfactory meal at um at Disney World, but I'm not really seeing kind of what's going on. All I've heard like so there's there's a, a podcast from the Wall Street Journal called the, the Journal, which is kind of their version of the Daily, and they had a really good episode about um about how major league baseball and, and uh, the NBA and how their approaches are different and kind of how the really strong players union that the MLB has kind of is impacting the way that they've had like a really uh, adversarial relationship with the commissioner and why the paths of to like uh, the paths towards like any continuation of the season have been so different amongst the NBA and MLB but no, other than that, like, I haven't heard a lot of reporting. All I've ever heard, like, I've just seen stuff about, like, oh, here's how the bubble concept is going to work. But I haven't really heard anything that's actually going on right now. So I kind of do wish there was something that would explain that or or keep tabs on that. I, no, I think it's it's a really astute point because, like, even now, if you go to ESPN.com and you look at their top headlines, none of them involve the NBA's return. And you know the ESPN in particular is you know like, all aren't they the ones desperate for content. Well, yeah, and they're, and they're all about the NBA because you know they're they're one of the two premier you know um, TV partners for the league. And well, their homepage is littered with MMA crap, right? Um, yeah, there, I, there's been a general apprehension, I think, around talking much about either the. Well, I mean, really any of the sports, I would I actually would say. But I guess, you know, sticking the focus on the NBA and NHL before we get into baseball and football, you know, both both leagues are basically two weeks away from returning. And in the case of the NBA, like the teams are already at their location, like practices have been happening. But there just isn't a ton of coverage around it. And it it, I guess it's probably some combination of there's still being a bit of worry and skepticism and, and I think justifiably so that that this plan is even going to work like it feels like it could sort of break down at any minute well and let, let me stop you right there real quick because I, I brought this question up in slack where kind of what what does deem this to be a failure like like is there a, like a predefined threshold of when they're like, well, nope, season's off. Like this, this is too much risk. Like, is it just one case? What what what's the deal? So, um, both um, Gary Bettman, who's the commissioner of the NHL, and Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, they've they've both been asked this, you know, in the last week or two, basically, like, what would it take to um, stop play again? And, you know, neither um, gave definitive answers. I mean, they both sort of gave the same answers in, in terms of like, you know, they'll consult medical experts 
Um, but I mean, I think the logical answer is that if there was some mass outbreak of the virus, then like if you're talking dozens and dozens of players who have been infected or, you know, maybe like large percentages of a couple of teams or something, you'd, you'd probably have to reevaluate things. Hmm. Well, interesting. I get, <clears throat> again, like, I mean, I kind of feel that sports is unnecessary is the wrong word, but I feel like I, I entirely understand why, um, they're pushing so hard to salvage so much of the, um, the lost revenue. But again, like, I hope they do it safely. And that's, and that's where, again, as somebody who, like, I'm kind of checked out of all sports, but baseball is generally the one I align most with, but I'm kind of getting over that too, where the struggles that major league baseball has had has, I guess, made me skeptical of the way all sports are going to be able to return, even though it looks like the NBA and to the lesser extent, the NHL are doing it in the wisest way possible, where it feels like the MLB is kind of doing it in a, in a Trumpian way, like in, in a way where it feels like they're not really on, like it, this is not like a team effort. It feels like there's just too much. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let, let's get into it. So, you know, obviously a ton of labor dispute between the major league baseball players association and uh, the league, which I, I think we talked about on the show a few weeks back. Um, but another issue you had with baseball is there was sort of a widespread, um, dislike of the um bubble idea um as actually baseball like when when some rumors started coming out you know kind of in the the may time frame about some of the leagues thinking about coming back like baseball was actually kind of at the forefront of that and they were the first league that i heard kind of float the idea of a bubble where they were thinking about maybe going to like phoenix or there were i think a couple of other cities thrown out there um but the players largely objected kind of on the basis of like, you know, hey, we can't we can't do an entire season in a bubble. Like our situation is different than the NBA and the NHL, where they're basically just going to be playing their postseason and then they'll be done. Um, what's kind of ironic, <laughs> it turns out, about that position is so like in the case of the NBA and the NHL is, is almost to the day exactly the same way where teams have been there, you know, for the last week. And then I think the last date that the like game seven of the finals would be is something like October 13th or, or sometime around there. And when you were thinking about baseball like some of the initial proposals there were for they you know they would come back around like july 1st and then try to conclude by like the end of october so it'd be a it'd be a few more weeks but not a ton longer than the nba and the nhl so but the, again players were kind of opposed to that idea by and large so they're they're pursuing this really messy strategy where teams are going to play in their home stadiums but generally only against other teams in their geographical area so i think specifically the schedule is like teams will play the other teams within their division and then the teams 
in the kind of um, same division in the other league. So for example, the NL West, if you're like the Giants, you'll play all the other NL West teams, and then you'll also play the AL West teams. So basically, you know, those teams are going to be staying in the states of, I guess, California, Arizona, and Texas. Oh, and, and Washington. Um, which, you know, it's it's when you when you're putting travel into the mix and you know a bunch of different locations, it just it doesn't it just seems like you're exposing yourself to a lot more risk and then you add on top of that the testing situation with the MLB has been really messy you've had teams not getting their testing results back timely um which has then led them to like shut down their practices etc which you haven't heard any of that from the NBA or the NHL like you basically have heard nothing about testing which is i think kind of like no news is good news kind of thing um so yeah, baseball's um baseball strategy from a logistical standpoint is I don't think very well thought out. And because of all the back and forth um in labor negotiations, they they're stuck with only getting a 60 game season in, which like everybody agrees is just not enough games for a like a meaningful baseball season. So it's it's a bad setup and it's a schedule that nobody's happy with. So it seems destined for not a great result. And Buster Posey's not playing. So what's the point? Yeah, but he's but he's playing for other reasons. Or sorry, he's not playing for other reasons. That's true. That's fair. He's got a, he's got a new housemate. <laughs> he's got two new housemates. I was thinking about him and it made me sad. Where do you remember when he did the uh not the ad for Pico, but he did an ad for Toyota? And they were driving past Pico. Yeah, I got real sad when I thought about that. I know because it made me miss. It made me miss old Giants. Like again, like 2014 Giants were that was a really happy year. And Pico always the best. Mm-hmm. And Toyota, nice, safe, economical cars. Like yeah, that that ad. I have that saved to my Dropbox. Like every once in a while, I'll just look at it. it. Makes me happy. That's nice. Yeah, people people need nice things. Yeah. Yeah. So then you've got then you've got football, which is well, in... but football can we but just to to frame the conversation, football is dumb or football is going to be sillier for a lot of other reasons because football is going to be treated by the administration and the right as like this cultural flashpoint in the same way that masks and everything else have been politicized to the point where we as a country could have been over with this pandemic if we'd had proper leadership and direction. So now we're going to have football being used as this ideological frame for why certain people are trying to deprive you of what you want and that American exceptionalism can get you out of whatever you want. Fair? Yes, you're not you're not wrong with that. Yeah, but I mean so but football breaks down and so one there's pro football and college football. And we've already seen some of the college leagues where what's what's the so I uh it's not the SEC, but is it the Big Ten? One of them has already said, yeah, for the coming year, they're not going to do like play outside of like their own conference, which means that entire collegiate football season is just not really going to happen in a normal way. And I feel like it's going to be really complicated for the NFL as well. But yeah, what's the, what's the status of that? 
Well, so both, yeah, both the NFL and college football are in a different position than either baseball or the NBA and NHL, where, you know, the NBA and NHL are resuming seasons that were well underway when the shutdown started. Baseball season was literally days away from starting when the shutdown started. Football, both college and in the NFL, had just completed their seasons basically less than two months before, or around two months, I guess, in the case of college football, when the shutdown started. And the Super Bowl was like, you know, six, seven weeks before the shutdown. So, you know, they've they've largely not had any direct impact yet. I mean, there have been some off-season workouts that have been delayed, but like you had things like, you know, the NFL had their their draft like they normally do. They just, you know, did it all remotely, obviously. Um, but both both college football and the NFL are in the same spot where they haven't lost any games or really any sort of like definitive practice or training camp yet but but we're rapidly approaching that point like up to this point both leagues have or both um sports like college football and the nfl have been like almost in this state of denial where they've kind of just like marched forward just you know like the nfl has like put out their schedule like they normally do and I think you had like their VP of football operations out there saying like, yeah, you know, we expect stadiums to have fans and all this and, you know, all this, all this kind of nonsense because there, again, hasn't been like any concrete um, delay yet, but you know, the NFL is now less than two weeks away from starting or, you know, from their proposed start date to training camp. And most college football programs have still not really announced what they're going to do. Um, so I guess, you know, with college football, I, I think you're you're probably going to get some some mix of answers. You're going to get some some um, leagues who do like what the Ivy League did, where they're postponing the season until next spring. You'll probably have some do what the Big Ten is doing, which is doing just interconference play, which basically is going to be like the same setup as what baseball is trying to do, which just doesn't seem like it's going to work. And it's even more complicated in football because you have more players, more staff. Um, it, it's colleges that are not going to be as well funded as these professional leagues are. It all just kind of seems like that would be that would be a mess and is, is probably not going to work. Um, and then with the NFL, it's, you know, it's, I think the next two weeks are going to be really, really telling. Like there's a story that came out in the last week where the owners want to put like 20% of player salaries into an escrow account, um, in case there's some type of, um, shortened season or something, or, you know, some major loss of revenue. And that's been sort of like the first, um, concrete acknowledgement that it's not just going to be a, a regular season. Um, but I think, I guess in conclusion, like what's interesting about both sports is they, they've, they've kind of been living in this fantasy for the past four months, whereas they should have been using that time to try to develop some type of smarter plan. And of course, because it's football, neither have, um, and Ouch. you know, they're, they're kind of coming down to the, 
to the deadline here and um push is going to come to shove as you're famous for saying um, in these next two to three weeks yeah yeah okay i mean that, that that's that all sounds right and checks out i i'm I'm just most most interested to see and how it how it works out politically and how any type of setbacks end up being um, used in that way. Yeah, I don't know because like football is is. Am I wrong in saying like that it's an order of magnitude different in terms of total revenue uh, generated? Like I know the NBA has made some very very lucrative uh, broadcast rights deals in recent years and it's been on an upswing, but it's still. Like the NFL makes way more money, right? Yeah, the NFL is is in a totally different class than the other three major sports are in terms of revenue generation. Yeah, I'm gonna give you kudos for not using the word league. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> uh, that would have been confusing if you said they're in a different league. Okay, yeah. So sports are still going concern, sort of, but I kind of I don't know. I, I I just feel like do you do you think do you think people care that much like do you think people some people are just so bored that they're like i really 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 want this to happen versus mostly it's leagues just trying not to to just like just in the same way that disney world is opening up where you maybe it shouldn't or maybe disney kind of secretly maybe like would prefer to do something else but just from a money perspective they're making the choice that they feel they have to make whether or not that's right i know those are very different issues but i guess like but do you think like the public actually cares like what do you what do you think the audience is going to be because like i guess like going back to my point about the lack of reporting or kind of where i just like i know this stuff is going on but other than people who are super plugged into sports like i just don't really know what's going on so like i like if people suddenly just see on like some random Thursday in late July that TNT has, has basketball again. Like I, does anybody care? So, okay, here, I guess here's my prediction with every, how how this is all going to play out. I would say that the NBA and the NHL will successfully complete their seasons. And I think both will start to generate much more interest once games start actually happening, once it's this tangible thing. And the, the further along you get, and after you have a few weeks where it seems like things are working smoothly and you're getting deeper into the playoffs where games are becoming more and more important, I do think there's going to be more and more interest there. Baseball, I, I kind of don't think is going to work. I, I don't know if the season's going to get canceled even before it starts or if they're going to try to start and then go off the rails. But I just I just don't think their setup seems well thought out enough. And then football, I I think I said this a few weeks ago, and I guess I'll kind of stick to that. I think college football, by and large, is not going to happen. Um, or if it happens, maybe it happens in the spring if... I don't know if we get lucky and things start to turn around in the next six months. Um, And then the NFL will figure out something, but I don't think it's going to be a full 16 game 
season. I think it it will it's going to have to end up being some kind of truncated season. But the but the the problem that both college football and the NFL are facing, which I have already kind of hit on, is that because they've been so naive and basically just carried on like everything was fine, they've wasted months and months and months that they could have been using to develop a better plan. And no, I'm I'm not talking about our federal government. I am I am talking about college football and the NFL. But quite a few parallels there. Well, yeah, but I got I thought that one coach said that the their bodies could take it and it's fine because of the money. Okay. So, that's sports. And then to round this out, you want to talk about Peacock for a minute? Let's do it. All right. So other other than being um, a bird, what is Peacock? <laughs> so Peacock is NBC Universal's streaming service. So this is bringing together all of your beloved Universal properties, which includes everything from The Office to Jurassic Park to The Matrix, which I I had forgotten was a was a Universal thing. Um, together into a streaming service um i guess there are some originals as part of this too although um i haven't really looked into those um and i think you also get like access to like jimmy fallon show or something early like you you can start watching it at like 5 p.m pacific or something like that yeah, that that I don't because I remember when that was announced that was pre-pandemic and I assume that was based off of them filming the show the way they normally had where they like record at like four o'clock Eastern time. So I'm not sure that's still going to pan out. And then actually just like some real time follow up. Uh, there's some type of 30 Rock reunion special, which apparently is being produced by the ad sales unit of NBC Universal which is not going to be played by the vast majority of national NBC affiliates because it's basically one long ad for this over the top service. So yeah, so I'm not so I'm not sure that that um uh like same night streaming thing for the the late night comedy shows is necessarily going to happen anymore, but mm. yeah. So um I don't know. I think probably, at least for me, the most interesting part of the launch today was some follow-up on something that we talked about last week, which was, I think we talked about this on the show. Maybe that was an offline, online conversation. But we were kind of going back and forth on whether, as a Comcast subscriber, you would get any sort of access to the premium tiers. Um of the service. So I guess we should pause there and say that there's three tiers. There's free where you're, you only get access to some content and of course, you know, ads everywhere. There's a premium tier, which is $4.99 a month where you get access to, I think all content and then fewer ads. And then there's some, I don't know, premium plus I'm guessing is what it's called because it literally is. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, Ten bucks a month, and you know all the content, no ads. And so, as a Comcast subscriber, it, it was announced a while ago that you would get access to the kind of the middle tier that 
um, four ninety nine a month tier. But when we were kind of poking around at um, Comcast website, it they really made it sound like you were going to need either an X one box, which is their DVR, or a flex device, which I guess is like their Amazon Fire Stick equivalent, like some kind of streaming thing. Um, but turns out, no, you can just create a Peacock account and then link it to your Xfinity account and you're good to go. Just in the same way that you would authenticate for like, you know, ESPN or any, any other app that has a, has an agreement with, um, Comcast. So yay, we have free access to the premium tier. Yeah. So, so a couple of things here. So I think, I think it's interesting that Comcast has chosen to start with a, um, with a free tier because they know they don't really, even though like they have some good con, like some good intellectual property that they own. Like, I'm like, I'm sure people like want to, watch that kind of stuff they don't really have the same draw for um like current and contemporary content like they're they're no hbo they don't have the content budget of disney or i mean they they kind of do but they're not really focusing that much on creating stuff of four over the top so having so coming to market in a really really crowded streaming environment and knowing that your offering is a little bit weak like it's still worthwhile but like, cause like this, this isn't like Quibi or something like it, it's, it's where like, even though I knew this was ad supported or that it was something I might not watch a ton. Like I still like on day one, like I thought like, okay, I, I actually want to download this and to have it available. So if I ever do want to watch something, um, it's available to me. So understanding that and having a free tour, a free tier, I think is actually really smart. And they're also promising that there's only going to be five minutes of advertising per hour of content, which I think is actually a pretty fair deal. Like, I think um, we both encountered this where with me, it was, I was watching Veronica Mars on Hulu, which because I have Spotify for some reason, I get ad supported Hulu for free, but I'm not able to pay for ad free Hulu without just having to pay 13 bucks a month for a separate thing. But then I forget what show it was, but you were watching, but you were like catching up on some show that was an on demand and your whole thing was the ads were like twice the volume and it was always the same ad, like every single damn time. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, so that's where I do think that's actually a smart choice on their part of coming out of the gate being like, Hey, we have a free tier. It's also ad supported, but the ads aren't going to be the worst. Like we're gonna, we understand people don't love ads, and we're gonna keep it to a reasonable amount. Like I, th- I think that's actually very smart to be forthcoming about that. And the tiers make sense, and because Comcast is one of, or Cable Town is one of the largest cable providers in the country, there's a large number of people who are gonna get the expanded content tier, but it's still ad supported for free, or or as part of their television subscription. Like I think I think both of those things are actually fairly smart. The content, like the exclusive or originals that they have for Peacock is not like I did some scrolling earlier today. It's not much. 
Um, and they have, <laughs> they have, it was very on brand for NBC. They have one thing that is, uh, like some documentary series about the delay of the Olympics, which I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that's very NBC. But, um, yeah, I think overall this, this is pretty, for what it is, I think it's as good as it can be. I don't know, like if you're a late entrant to streaming and you want to leverage your existing catalog, but also don't want to, like you don't want to be an also ran, but you also want to have like a decent value proposition for people. Like I think it's, I think, I think it's solid. So I'm going to acknowledge that, and I think I said the same thing with HBO Max. Like I get that not a lot of people necessarily care about things like this, but but I do also feel like in the early days of your new service, it's going to be some of the more maybe technology enthusiasts who are going to be first to sign up for it. And so you you we kind of want to make a good impression on them for them to then spread the word about your service. And Peacock has the same same two major problems that HBO Max has. One, no 4K HDR content. Crazy. It just it just doesn't make any sense in 2020. And also no support on either uh Roku or Amazon Fire TV sticks or whatever those things are called, which this um, CNET article that'll be in the notes points out, basically between Roku and Amazon, they sell something like 70% of streaming devices in the US. So, so, so with that, so let me break that off in two points. So the first one, I don't think the 4K thing matters, especially for a service that the vast majority of people are going to use for free. Um, I don't think regular people care about that. And also the content that they have, I don't think matters that much for HDR purposes. So yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to get, I'm not gonna put that as a big strike against them. Cause I just, I just think most people don't care. Um, for the Roku thing though, I think that is actually very, very interesting, which is, and this is something we were talking about like online, offline, which maybe maybe I don't understand how Roku works, but it it seems very sketchy that like they that you have to strike some type of distribution deal for your free service to be available on the box. Like I don't I don't get what that's about, and I have and to be honest, I haven't done much research into it, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Like I understand they have a very very different business model than. Apple TV and and that Roku has always kind of felt sketchy to me after like once they started going hard on um like where every time you bought one of their boxes like it was always this rotating carousel of which streaming service they would shove they like they would like literally manufacture like a button on the remote to say like hey you have a Netflix button you have a I forget which defunct like I think it was like voodoo movies from Walmart or something like that people have a button for like I don't even know if that service exists anymore. Like it 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 just feels weird that you somehow have to strike a deal with somebody just to make a service available. And that 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 was also very confounding when like I mean even though HBO Max like I feel like that's a different story just because the whole complexity and confusion about what HBO Max versus Now versus Go versus traditional HBO was like, I feel like that was a problem that HBO created for themselves and that was unnecessary market confusion. But the fact that Roku and Amazon factor into this at all, where they are somehow preventing this from being available seems weird and wrong. Yeah, I would I would love to know what the 
what the breakdown is like what the what the terms that Roku and Amazon are asking for that aren't being agreed to or maybe vice versa I don't know I'd but would love to know yeah um yeah cool uh I was off the internet for most of the day so I did not hear about any of this Twitter stuff and we don't need to talk about it but I do only want to bring it up cuz while uh I was browsing the web. Somebody posted a link to this or somebody made a tweet about this and I don't actually understand what it means, but it's got a breaking bad reference in it. So I'm, can you explain what this means to me? Uh, well, so, um, I don't remember. I, I can't, I forget this character's name. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the, the guy, the head Salamanca dude. Right. Well, like, I get that, but I, but I, why, why were verified users banned from tweeting for a minute while they were, Something about Twitter got hacked today, and I and I, not sure I care enough to look it up. Yeah, so um, I mean, you you basically summarized it there. So basically, every verified account, or at least some very large number of verified Twitter accounts, were compromised today, and they were posting tweets with a Bitcoin address with messages to the effect of, "If you send money to this Bitcoin address." we will send you double the amount of Bitcoin back like as a way of like giving back to the community or in response to COVID-19. There were a couple of different versions of the post. Yeah, it was, who, who, who would do that? Well, I mean, that was kind of the, the, the point being made today was the number of people who have Bitcoin wallets, who would also be using Twitter, who would then kind of fall for something like that. Seems like it'd be a relatively small number, but, Hmm. Um, yeah, um, well, although the funniest thing about it is that the first Twitter account that I saw post one of these, um, hacked tweets was Elon Musk's account. And at first I, you know, that that could be run the mill for him. I I know. Like at first, I mean, it, it did strike me as being particularly odd, but like, you know, uh, maybe not impossible for him, but then it started showing up in some other accounts. And then, um, you know, news got around pretty quickly what was happening. So what Twitter ended up doing was basically shutting down the ability of these verified accounts to post new tweets, but they could still retweet. So that's what this that's what this tweet is in reference to is they're basically these verified accounts have to uh, communicate via retweets much in the way the head Salamanca dude had to communicate through his bell. Gotcha. Good times. Yeah. So I, you know, this just happened today. I presume a lot more is going to come out over the next week. So maybe we'll have more to say next week, but I mean, it seems to be, a huge security breakdown just just the the sheer number and types of accounts like i mean i'm joking about you know elon's account but like the official obama account was hacked same with biden um same with bill gates um i mean it was it kind of it, the, the the breadth of it was enormous yikes hmm well, at least Peacock has a promoted tweet, so they got that. <laughs> Flock to Peacock. 
All right, what you got for Chef Special? Um, so I know you're tired, so I'll um, I'm, I, I I'm kinda, fine. I'm recharged. Kind of have a lot to say about the, this pick, but we can always have it as a separate topic too. Okay, I I I haven't opened it yet, but I see Office Depot, so I'm excited to be like some type of sticky notes. <laughs> uh, so I got a new monitor. Um, Hmm. Had been thinking for quite a while about getting a new monitor, and then obviously now working from home all the time kind of accelerated that that timing. Um, I really wanted something that was that had a USB C option, where through one cable I could both power my MacBook Pro and then obviously also output to a display. And I had a couple of very like John Syracuse like particular requirements. So one of those was the monitor had to be 4K, obviously. Um, another one was that, you know, there are a lot of USB C monitors out there that will also deliver power to your laptop, but many of them will cap out at around 50 or 60 watts. So I needed something that could actually provide full. Um, full power to my 15-inch MacBook Pro, which this uh, Dell Ultrasharp Sharp U2720Q does. It outputs, I think, 90 or 100 watts of power, something like that. And then I also wanted something where through a single USB-C cable, not only could you get um, full 4K resolution at um, 60 hertz, of course, also with the full power um, input that the 15-inch the MacBook Pro that I have supports. But then also, I wanted it to support full USB 3 speeds from the USB 3 ports that are built into the monitor. And kind of specifically, I have a, a gigabit Ethernet adapter, a, a USB 3 to gigabit Ethernet adapter that I wanted to make sure... I could take full advantage of. And that's another area where a lot of these screens break down is if you want like full 4K resolution at 60 hertz, you then have to run your USB ports on the monitor at USB 2 speeds. Um, or it could be the case that maybe the monitor supports running all the USB ports at full USB 3 speeds, but maybe your your laptop doesn't support it. But fortunately, with the 15-inch the MacBook Pro that I have, um, it, it does support being able to do full 4K, 60 hertz output, and um, full USB 3 speeds all over um, USB-C. So it kind of checked all the boxes in a way that basically no other monitor that I researched did. And I've had it for, I don't know, two or three weeks now and have been super, super happy with it. Um, picture quality is fantastic. And I was upgrading from a like a 24-inch, you know, non-4K display. So, But it was, it was also a Dell, right? It was also a Dell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even though I had done all of my John Syracusean research around USB speeds and all that, like, <laughs> I still was, you know, a little skeptical that it was all going to work out the way that it did. Um, 
but it but it, it it totally does i mean you have to like there's like one setting you have to change within the monitor's menu to kind of unlock um the usb 3 speeds when you're in this usb c cable um setup because again only certain types of computers support that so it doesn't turn that on by default um but i but I was fairly confident based on what I had looked into on this MacBook Pro that I have that it, that it was going to support that. Um, and it totally does. So great monitor, super happy with it. So I'm going to ask, is this, uh, does this get the White Whale certification in terms of being able to fully power a MacBook Pro? It does, yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a coveted thing that Dell can add to the box. Yes. Um. Neat. And then, oh, sorry. Lastly, does, is this um, is this like a matte finish monitor for glare purposes? Yeah, I, I guess it is. I didn't really think about that because glare isn't a huge issue uh, in this room. But um, yeah, I guess it is kind of like a, a matte finish. Cool. Okay, so I don't really have much this week, so I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. This is something I got a few months ago. Um, it's very, very. Oh, it's a very mundane pick, uh, but it is the Conair fabric defuzzer. It is basically a lint shaver that you can use to uh, remove pilling from sweaters, and it's pretty great. This is a very Carlos pick. How else are you going to remove the little fuzzies from your sweater? What color did you buy it in? Uh, were there multiple colors? I just got the white and blue one. There's blue, green. Oh, there's orange, man! You you blew that. Wait, hold on. Is this trademark infringement? This these all look like iMac colors from 1999. <laughs> uh, do you get ba- battery operated or rechargeable? Uh, battery operated because I just use those uh, Panasonic Eneloop batteries because I'm not using them for anything else because I don't really leave the house much. <laughs> but yeah, but it's great. Again, you, you gotta gotta keep your sweaters all nice. I can't believe you didn't buy the orange one. <laughs> 